What do you do when God says no? When you've begged God, when you've been transparent with God, when you have seven reasons, seven biblical reasons why God should say yes, what do you do when God says no? It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. How's everybody doing out there? How we doing? How's everybody? I wish this is like one of those times when I wish that you could be sitting in front of me and we could be, you know, drinking coffee and you could tell me all the things about your life. Um, I miss you guys. We have taken a little hiatus. Uh, you wouldn't know that though, because we um, did so much prep work. <laughs> We're so organized over here. We did so much prep work to make sure that you guys had a very fresh new show every single week while we all went on vacation because mama needed a break over here okay mama needed a break mike our producer needed a break all the people needed breaks and we have had a break i just had 15 of my family members in my house for a week which was listen it was awesome okay a lot a lot of people a lot of a lot of towels you know the thing a lot of a lot of voices a lot of opinions a lot of food it was awesome But before that, my husband and I went on our annual trip that we take every year for our anniversary. And so I was gone with that. We had to delay because of, you know, the just restrictions and stuff like that, that um, we didn't want to have to handle. (laughs) So we delayed and we had a great week. Just the two of us celebrating 18 years of marriage. We've been married 18 years, and we have been together for 20. I don't even know how this is possible, people. I have no idea how we've been married 20 years. I mean, together for 20 years. It is um, quite a long time, but um, we had a great break, and we were feeling so relaxed, and we came home, and then 50 people came to our house. (laughs) So, you know, that was short-lived, but it was great while it lasted. So we are going to talk about uh, submissive prayer after the break, uh, the Gethsemane prayer. We're still in this series about prayer going after out of my gangster prayer book that actually will be this week, three years old. I can't even believe it. If you want to get this book, you can go anywhere books are sold um, and you can purchase it and um, hopefully it will revitalize your prayer life. But Um, This is our last piece of this little mini series that I wanted to do on prayer to celebrate what God's done through the book Gangster Prayer because so many of you guys have read it and loved it and um, have told us about it and um, it's it almost broke me this book (laughs) it almost broke me but it didn't praise the Lord while I was on vacation with my husband. Lots of national news broke, lots of it. And, you know, it's interesting how my immediate response always is to put out a statement, to say something. Um, I am talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It happened while I was on vacation with my husband. 
My immediate urge, obviously, was to put out a statement, but I did not do that because I think that, well, first of all, my husband was like, you're on vacation and you need to spend more time on it. Doesn't it just need to be a social media post? It needs to be like a moment. And I agreed with him heartily. So I do want to let you know my feelings about um, this really unexpected, I would say, uh, ruling from the Supreme Court from my perspective. Um, I first want to say this one thing. Um, to me, this was is not a political thing, okay? Not a political thing. Um, I don't believe life is a political thing. I think people have made it political, but to me, it it is not. And I want to echo... Uh, probably the thousands of uh, leaders, uh, Christians, whoever, in saying this is a moment where I believe we are all going to sit back and look look back on. Um, this is a moment that we're all grateful for. Uh, those of us that are pro-life, we're gr- we are grateful for this. I am so tied in to this decision for multiple reasons. A lot of those I won't share publicly with you, but there's a lot of different people in my life that have worked in the pro-life movement for years. There's a lot of different people in my life that have had abortions and are now working in the pro-life movement. We have surrounded ourselves with people, a community that have adopted because they are pro-life. That's the category we would fall under. A lot of people have a lot of different views on being pro-life. And we all have had a different role to play. Ours has been the adoption role. But there's other people that have, have had an abortion and they've come back and they've, um, they're pro-life. And they've fought for the, really the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which happened a couple of uh, weeks ago, as we all know. I want to say this. I am pro-life because God is pro-life. I have unapologetically been over the years. If you've read any of my op-eds from old, I have been very outspoken about this. I have publicly come out multiple times and stated that. It's been in lots of different publications that God has allowed me to be involved with. I, I have spoken at all different sorts of, of events, but I, I want to just talk about this issue a little bit longer than a normal monologue because the idea of being pro-life doesn't come from just an idea, okay? It comes from scripture. The scripture that I'm going to refer you back to is straight in Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And uh, let them, excuse me, I have a page ripped out of my Bible. Thank you to my children. Let them, let him, excuse me, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. 
He blessed them, verse 28, Genesis 1, 28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill it. Be fruitful. Fill it. And subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In verse 31, God makes a statement. He makes a statement. God saw all that he had made. And it's recorded right here. And behold, it was very good. This idea of being pro-life comes directly out of Genesis 1. If you were to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we will see the way that Jesus came into being. He was conceived via the Holy Spirit inside of Mary. He was brought forth just the way me and you are. So this idea of being um, pro-life comes straight from the scripture, which is why it has never been a political thing for me, nor will it ever be a political thing for me. In the vein of that, as I echo all of the leaders that have uh, come out in support of this decision, I also want to make a statement to the church, which would be you. <laughs> We're going to talk about Jesus after the break, but I really feel like this needs to be said. With this overturning of Roe v. Wade, there is a responsibility, a mandate that is now out there. Who is going to care for the women? Who's going to do it? Now, my role in this movement has been adoption, and I am very, very passionate about it. But we cannot just say we want Roe v. Wade overturned and not accept the responsibility that now comes with that victory. We can't do that. Every one of us now, as the hands and feet of Jesus, has a role to play. Adoption might not be your role. Maybe it's caring for a mother. Maybe it's uh, loving. Maybe it's making a meal. Maybe it's uh, offering child care. I don't know what it is. But it's now time for the church to assume maximum responsibility because of this. And I fear there has been a complacency. Now, not every, all you guys are going to agree with me, and that's okay. I fear that there has been in some sectors of the big C church complacency in regards to this issue. Yes, people will say, I'm pro-life, but are you? Would you care for that child? Would you make a meal? Would you adopt a child? I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of kids in um, foster care right now that I know, I, and I believe that God told me this. If every single one of us, that there was a desire and a calling in us to adopt, actually followed that calling to adopt the child, I do not believe there would be children left in foster care. I just don't believe it. Because if there's a need, God has the church to meet those needs. The responsibility of the church in this hour is great. 
It's not just being the mouthpiece of Jesus. Now we must be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not just saying something, being a keyboard warrior and saying, you know, putting up a statement or whatever. Now we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The responsibility of the church in this hour is great. No judgment. Love. These precious women must feel from the church an overwhelming sense of love, of acceptance, of help, the likes in which we've never done before. We all have a role. And um, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Church, it's time to step forward. And I would just say this, you know, I can speak from the adoption side of things. That's a very, very personal to me, you know, because, because, well, because of reasons I won't go into. But um, those of you out there, I know God has put, I hear from you. You send me messages. I want to adopt. What do I do? Oh, wait, I can't. It's scary. If God has put that desire in your heart, is it scary? Uh, yeah, it's scary. Is it hard? One of the hard, two of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Is it also two of the most incredible things I have ever done in my life? Yes. Does the risk and the fear and the issues pale in comparison to the blessing that is my complete family as a result of adoption? Yes. What's on the other side of your hesitancy, if God has put adoption in your heart and fear, if God has put adoption in your heart, is massively dripping with blessings from the Lord, if and when you push past it. So um, I did want to make a statement. That would be my statement. Obviously, I echo everyone and, um, and I've always been pro-life. Um, but I also sense, I'm, I'm actually glad I didn't put out a statement initially because I sense the responsibility of the church to actually now be the hands and feet and reach out and care for all of these precious creations of God that um, will need our help in the future. Okay. Um, Okay. That's my statement on that. I am going to come back in just a second with Gethsemane prayer. (laughs) It's kind of a heavy show today, but I'll be back in just a sec. See you in a minute. Hey guys, it's Autumn. And I want to know family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Hey, hey, guys. Okay, here we go. 
to be one meaty show for you today. I hope you you heard my heart on uh, the monologue today. Um, it's definitely something that I feel very heavily. It's crazy. I was I was on social yesterday, and someone had put out a statement. Someone that I respect, that I follow, had put out a statement, and he he took the words out of my mouth. I was like, oh my gosh, his statement is exactly what I was going to say. So um, I hope you hear my heart on that. I, I really love that I feel like with this decision, um, we also have a, a deep mandate from the Lord. So I want to transition into talking about prayer. Now we have talked about two great weeks on prayer, fighting prayer. We've talked about uh, just multiple things in regard to prayer, disrespecting the yes in prayer, which is something that God told me a long time ago. Like, why are you assuming I said no to you? And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) God's like, no, I didn't say no. So today I want to talk about the submissive, not arrogant prayer. The best example. Now, there are lots of examples in the scripture about this type of prayer, but this is the type of prayer when you ask God boldly for a yes, but he answers you a no. You ask him for the yes, But he answers you a no. And we're going to talk about what do you do with that mentally when you have boldly prayed with every piece of faith that you have for a yes. Yes, I want this marriage to work out. God, I believe it. I'm agreeing with whatever I believe. I receive. I listen. I'm standing. I'm believing. I'm receiving. I'm whatever. And God comes in and he says, this one's going to be a no. What? do you do? I, um, I have a lot of things, um, that I am going to tell you, but I want to show you and tell you, I want to show you from the Gethsemane prayer in scripture. One of the most powerful pages, I think, um, in all of scripture, we're going to go to it in Matthew and I'm going to touch on it in Mark. I just really want to make uh, my point. What do you do? When you've prayed boldly for a yes, and God says no. Jesus' response in Matthew uh, 26, 36 is uh, stunning. It took me a couple months to write this chapter because I would write a line and then I would cry. Because the humanity and the humility of Jesus in this moment, I don't, I will never get over. I will never get over. Then Jesus, Matthew 26, 36, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me yet, not as I will, but as you will. My father, verse 39 If it is possible, 
let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If it is possible. In the other Gospels, we see Jesus saying, nothing will be impossible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, it's possible for all things are possible. With the context of the power of possibility that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit all possessed, let's read these words again. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Which meant as Jesus, the son, is talking to his father, it was impossible for it to happen any other way. Because if Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, God would have chose that way. But he had to go to the cross because it was the only possible way that we could go to heaven if it is possible. Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Boo, disciples! And said to Peter, So you then could not keep watch with me for one hour? For 41, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. Oh, yes, but the flesh is weak. Do you realize that that, uh, that phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, is directly out of scripture out of the Garden of Gethsemane? Sometimes I think our grandmas and our moms and, and I've even quoted that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, Je- those are Jesus's words in the Garden of Gethsemane. I think sometimes we, we may be a little too flippant with them. 42 says this. He went away again a second time. This is number two and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass away until I drink it, your will be done. And he came out and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and he left them again. And he went away and prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Now listen here. I want you to understand that uh, Gethsemane means oil press. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I studied this uh, at length. It is said that ancestors of the same olive trees still reside in Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed this prayer specifically three times. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating study if you ever have some time on your hands to study study through it. It's very interesting that uh, Gethsemane means oil press because the prayer, the Gethsemane prayers are the prayers that press the us out of us. When we're sitting in Gethsemane and we have Jesus praying to God the Father, he is fully God and he is fully man in that moment, 100% both. 
but we actually get a glimpse, and we don't see this very often, but we actually get a glimpse of Jesus's humanity on full display. There is something about Jesus's full humanity on display that I need in my daily life. I need to know that the humanity of Jesus still chose God's will. I need to know that the man side of Jesus still was able to persevere even when God said no. I need to know that. It's one of the most beautiful prayers in all of scripture, and it's, you know, unrivaled in my opinion because of the humility behind it. The hour had come. It was his time. This was why he was born. And yet he's asking humbly, if it's possible, can we do this another way? The part of the passage that actually I can barely even read without crying. Then he said to them, verse 38, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Now we talk about depression. We talk about, you know, getting, being upset. We talk about all of those things. You know, we talk about uh, all, all sorts of things in the Christian world. But when a soul is deeply grieved to the point of death, we would, this, this to me would be Jesus beginning to wear the stress of what is coming in just a few short hours. This language modernized would be, I'm having a breakdown. I mean, if we're going to modernize it, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. I've counseled a lot of people over the years and you can see those whose souls are deeply grieved. You can feel it. They don't even have to say a word. You can sense it, how grieved these people are or can become. Jesus was sharing with Peter, James, and John, just three people, that his soul was deeply grieved. In modern day language, he was breaking down. Now listen, this is after my study, this is my interpretation of what we're seeing happen. I have studied so many, I have studied, I studied this for months. These words show his humanity. These words show how heavy the situation was. These words were not told to all the uh, 11 disciples because obviously the 12th was out, you know, getting the gang together to come and, and betray him. It was told to three. It was told to Peter, James, and John, his three buddies. He was transparent enough with his three buddies to tell them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. That's what he told them. He then walks further away from them and he falls on his face and he talks to the Lord. And that's when he asked Jesus three times, if there's any other way, make it happen. But your will be done. Verse 42. 
I thought about this a lot. I've thought about the transparency of Jesus. I've thought about the strong one. I actually wrote it in Gangster Prayer. What do you do when the strong one breaks down? What do you think Peter, James, and John were doing as he's like, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. And they're seeing him sweat. They're seeing maybe him shake. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, but I have seen people who were deeply grieved in hospitals and all sorts of things. I have seen the physical manifestation of being deeply grieved to that point. I do understand. We see him tell his three disciples this. And then he leaves them and he does something that is so beautiful. And I'm so glad it's recorded in the scripture. He is completely transparent to God. He didn't tell the three disciples, I wish God would give me another way. That would be fantastic. He saved those private, precious three requests for God the Father. I want to pause here for a second before I get into what happens when God says no. I want to challenge you. There's a lot I'll tell people. There's a lot more I'll tell my husband. And then there's some things that only God hears. God the Father is a safe space to tell anything. He's safe. He's secure. He's not going to tell everybody your business. He's not going to judge you. He's a safe space. Jesus didn't say that to the disciples because the disciples couldn't handle it. God the Father could handle his questions. I'm talking to you leader out there. Who is the strong one? You know there's some things, uh, pastor, minister, leader, whoever you are. You, there is no way you can tell. <laughs> A Bible study. These are my internal thoughts. You can't. You can't. I get it. As a leader, as a boss, as whatever, there are certain things that you just don't say. But don't carry that barrier into your relationship with God in prayer. There needs to be complete and utter transparency between you and him. Complete. When I pray, oh my goodness, I say the most craziest things. Um in prayer because I know I'm talking to a God that's a big boy. I'm talking to a God that can handle it. I'm talking to a God that will give me answers to my questions, that will give me direction for my deepest need, that will give me comfort that you or or my husband or anyone will never be able to give me. That barrier that he had with uh, Peter, James, and John broke when he was on his face before the Father. If there's any other way. Some of you guys need to get more real in your prayer. Forget the Sunday school thing. Forget the three ways to pray. You just need to be raw. I was riding on uh, on 30 
in Dallas one day. I remember exactly where I was. And I was like, oh, Lord, I would like this. This this is just like probably five years ago. I was praying for whatever it was that was coming. I don't remember at this point. But the Lord said, that is not how you really feel. It was like he, he, he stopped me from praying. That is not how you really feel. Do not carry what you would tell everybody else into your relationship with me. Tell me what you really feel. I started bawling on 30, driving through downtown in Dallas. And I was like, you're right. This is how I feel. I am so mad <laughs> at what is happening in my life. Right? I don't even remember what it was about. You're right. I don't feel that way. This is how I actually feel. And the transparency broke something in me because I just needed someone to receive how I really felt and guide me from there. And God, it was that. In Gethsemane, we don't even see his answer. Mark says uh, says this as well, and I, I do want to touch on this just so you guys know. Um, he says this, he says the deeply grieved uh, in, in Mark as well. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. I want to, I want you to just know it's not, it's not just in Matthew that that is found. It's also found in, in other places. But before I move on, I wanted to bring that up. But here we have Jesus and you never hear, you never hear what God, the father answers them. It's a transparent, it's a private prayer that he, we have the beauty of seeing from scripture, but God, the father, we never hear God say, no, we, uh, we never see hear God say, yes, we know he said no, because Jesus continued to the cross. Um, but we don't even hear that answer. It was something private. There's, there's nowhere in scripture that records God, the father telling Jesus, well, there is another way or where there's no other way. Um, we don't hear that it was a private conversation between father and son. But we do know because of the events following that the answer was no. What do you do when God says no? When you've begged God, when you've been transparent with God, when you have seven reasons, seven biblical reasons why God should say yes, what do you do when God says no? This is what Jesus did not do. He did not turn around, leave Gethsemane, get on a donkey, and go to Samaria. He didn't, he didn't get up. He didn't run away. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't argue. He didn't go back and forth with God. He didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't tell his disciples, this God stuff is just not for me. He didn't say any of those things. He walked forward based on the assumption that we have that God said, no, there's no other way. What do you do in that situation? We pray boldly for a yes, but we have to humbly surrender to the no. Why do we have to do that? Because our yes, if we got it every time, would not be God's best. Our yes, based on our perspective, is not always the best based on God's. You pray boldly for a yes, and don't you ever for one second stop praying for healing, for whatever it is that you are praying for. But if God says no to something you're asking him to say yes to, this 
is when the faith that you tell everyone you have becomes a walk and not a talk. Okay. I trust you. If you're saying you have to say no to me now, I trust that that no is so much better than a yes would ever have been. Is this crushing? Yes. But it's the Gethsemane prayer that presses the us out of us. You guys, I did this with my baby daughter. It's very hard for me to tell this story, and I don't tell it a lot. I wrote it in the book. When I was recording this, an audiobook, we had to stop multiple times because I was sobbing. And if you read it in chapter nine in the audiobook, um, I, I re- read my own book and you will hear just the voice sounds different because it's like I, I just couldn't deal. The poor audio guy was like, is everything okay in there? And I'm like, no, I need tissues. It's horrible. I will never forget picking Haven up at the hospital ever, ever. It was the best day of my life. But the Lord told me before we even went to get her, I was walking into the hospital, I'll never forget, and he said, there is a problem with Haven. We had no idea what it was, and he asked me, will you still walk forward with this? And of course, I'm like, yes, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. When we got into the room, she was beautiful, uh, gorgeous. This child is like, she is like stunningly beautiful, my child. I know you think that about your children too, but so do I. Okay. This, this child is just beautiful. She's always been beautiful. And I walked in, she was beautiful. I looked her over. She's looked beautiful. I asked the doctor, she's perfect. She's perfect. It's great. We left the hospital with Haven and um, I'll never forget her sounding like she was choking it was nothing that I had experienced with my other three children. Of course, we take her to the hospital. Um, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, um, but we, we ended up taking her to the hospital. She was in the hospital for five days. And she, we found out through months of doctor's visits, it was very hard to diagnose, that she had um, a birth defect in her throat. It was um, one of the most severe that her specialists had ever seen. Very severe. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't operate. At least that was their recommendation. They couldn't operate because she was brand new infant child. Um, so they told us therapy wise, physical therapy wise, how to handle this. And um, we did everything that they said. And, you know, it was, it was a crazy couple of months. But one night she was struggling. This is where it's going to get hard for me. Whew, Jesus, help me. One night she was struggling. If, you, if you've seen my bond with my baby Haven, you'll know. You just know. And this night, I believe this bond started. I grabbed her. She was struggling. She was struggling breathing. She was on all the medicine. We were doing all the things. And I was so grieved deeply grieved if you've ever seen your child struggle you get it your child's struggling there's nothing you can do we've done everything we could do we've been to every hospital we live in in tech in dallas there's the best of the best here and she went to all of them there was nothing we can do 
I grabbed her that night. I shut my door. She was tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny little baby. Put her on my chest. I started singing. A song I still sing to her. Even though she's seven and a half. It's our song. She's scared and I, I sing it to her. I will not sing it to you because I do not have a good singing voice. But she loves it. To her, I sing like Mariah Carey. It's all good. But I'm singing over her. The song that I don't know where it even came from. It came from the depths of my soul. I sing it to her. Over and over and over again. And somewhere, the Gethsemane prayer came out of me. This child is what I've waited for for 18 years. God heal her. But if I've only parented her for a couple of months at this point, whatever your will is, I'm okay with. And there was a release that happened in that, in that moment between me and Jesus. And I actually think Haven felt it too. We all just kind of, we both just relaxed. I felt Haven's tiny little tense body. That This is why she's a fighter today. This is why I love it. I felt her relax. Her body relaxed. My body relaxed. Because we both surrendered. I will tell you this. After lots of testing, she still has the birth defect. She's seven. But she is, after much prayer and anointing by an entire church service a month later, completely asymptomatic. We know she has the defect because she has been tested, but she is completely asymptomatic. God told me no. That's a hard no to swallow when it's your child. But the glory that God has gotten in this child is massive. Sometimes God does say no. But there is a greater yes that he is willing to offer us when he says no. The people she's been able to reach, the things she's been able to do, she's really big into singing right now, which is like so crazy because I'm like, of course, <laughs> Satan tried to take your voice. But you are going to sing and you are going to shout and you are going to have a voice in your generation. The enemy tried to take it, but God is going to use that thing for a greater yes that we never, ever would have ever known was coming. All I wanted was her healing. But God said, I'm going to do something greater. This child is feisty. She is mouthy. She has an opinion, and I love every second of it. And I know as a result of what Satan tried to take from us, God is going to use her for a greater yes 
because of what she went through as a baby. Sometimes God says no. But that's when our faith has to kick in and we have to press in and we have to understand that his wisdom is greater than ours. He sees what we can't. He sees what he wants to do in us and in those that we're praying for and in our situations. And he sees the way that they're going to benefit best and that he's going to get the glory. Sometimes he says no. But when he says no, you can expect a greater yes. When he said no to Jesus... It was three short days and he was sitting at the right hand of, well, it was, (laughs) he was sitting, he, now he sits at the right hand of the father. If God would have told him, no, Jesus would have, or yes, God, Jesus would have never been resurrected from the dead. There was a greater yes. There was a greater resurrection on the other side of God saying no to Jesus's request. And I just want to know for you, where are you? Are you mad at God? Me too. I was too. I was very frustrated. Are you confused? Are you trying, are you throwing your hands up? Because God just won't give you the yes that you want. Well, sometimes he doesn't. And someone needs to say that in the world today. Sometimes he doesn't. He didn't tell Jesus yes. But if he says no to you, let me tell you something right now. You can expect a greater resurrection, a greater yes on the other side of his answer that seems harsh. Because we know his character. And his character is good. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let me just pray for you guys. Lord, we just love you so much. I look at my baby every day and I'm so grateful for her story. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you do things based on your wisdom, even when it's hard. I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you gave us such a beautiful example of a hard prayer that you offered. I'm so thankful for the transparency of you, Jesus. And right now I pray for that person that is on the verge of giving up on God, on the verge of giving up. I pray that they would pray a simple Gethsemane prayer. Okay, I enough is enough. My soul is deeply grieved, but not my will. Even if it's a, a sacrifice of faith that they're making. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you give them the grace to make it. Cover them right now with your patience, with your mercy, with your compassion. Remind them of what you can do Remind them of what you did for Jesus. Remind them, Lord, of what you did for Lazarus. You told him no, his his sisters no too. 
God, minister spirit to that soul who's deeply grieved and bring about your greater yes in their life. In Jesus name. Amen. I love you guys. I have a question for you and I'll see you right after the break. I hope this helped you. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, we're back. I've wiped my eyes. I've got it back together. I just told my producer, I'm like, you're making me cry on all these shows. <laughs> but he's not. God bless his heart. We have an awesome prayer request that is in regards to what I just shared. It says this, I try to be persistent in praying about the thing I feel God has promised me. But I'm stuck between knowing if I should continue with my ask or just surrender it and be done. Bringing it up. How do I tell the difference? Um, I don't know who this is from, but I love this because I think we all have it. As a matter of fact, I was um, talking to uh, Amanda, who's my sister-in-law, right before we went on. She does all of the, the content production for the podcast. And um, she said, she has this question too. She was like, just tell them it's from me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But the question is, I try to be persistent about the thing I feel like God has promised me. But I'm stuck between knowing if I should continue with my ask or just surrender and be done bringing it up. I want to stop one uh, at the beginning of this question. It says, I try to be persistent about the thing I feel like God has promised me. If God has promised it to you and you feel like he's already told you it's going to happen, your posture should change from begging to expecting. If God has said, I'm going to do this in your life, you need to change from begging God to expecting it. And you have to, like we talked about last week, release the when and um, the how. You got to release it, okay? God is not tied to our years or our minutes or our calendar, okay? He's tied to his. He will make good in his own time and in his own way. So all expectation needs to go out the window, if God has said yes to you already? And the answer is no, you do not give up asking. A lot of times if I know God has told me something, I'll be like, where is it, God? I'm looking for it. Where, where is she coming from? When can I expect it? Those are my, my prayers change. But to the one that is like praying, they want it to happen, but they don't know if God has said yes or not, my advice would be pray boldly for a yes. Like I said in my podcast, but be surrendered to the no when and if it comes. Okay. 
And like I said, just said, your that's when your faith, when God does tell you no, I want this job, I want this job, I want this job, I want this job, I want this job. Well, then someone else gets the job, okay? That's a no to that particular position. But you have to, by faith, believe that God is going to bring something better your way. What if you were limiting yourself by asking for this particular position? What if you limited your own self and God wanted to get bring you something greater? Um, so press in, pray boldly for a yes. But when God says no, that's when our faith jumps in and we have to say, okay, God has said no. God has definitely told me no. So then I'm going to be looking for a greater yes or a better yes or a better way that he sees fit to answer this prayer request. Um, does that make sense? I hope that helps all of you guys out there. I know this is a question that a lot, a lot of people have. So I'd love to hear your questions. You can email them to hello at autumnmiles.com. You can send us uh, DMs on social. We are having a little bit of technical problems with our social. So if we don't get back to you, it's not because we don't want to. It's because I don't know what's going on in the social these days. We're having some issues with it. So um, the last thing I want to leave you with, and then I'll see you next week, is what God is doing in your life. We had an awesome woman write in, and she said, my son was in a toxic relationship, and it was bringing so much turmoil into his life and into our home after much prayer and prayer from the AM team. Woohoo, AM team. He is no longer in that relationship that he was in and is completely different person, much more like his old self. Praise God. So listen, prayer works, guys. You can take it right from this example right here. Prayer works. Keep praying. Press in. God is listening. And I am so glad that God delivered him from that relationship. Um, yeah, you guys are awesome. Okay, guys, I will see you next week right back here on the Autumn Mile Show. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show.